Utah. We're going to leave you all with a good night and a go blue. Good evening. It's a little after 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I emphasize the Eastern Standard Time for a different reason. You are listening to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Yeah, there's a, a bill. And if you want to read some bizarre things about the priorities of uh, the Michigan State Legislature, uh, there's a bill pending to uh, get rid of daylight savings time. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, why would we want to get off the time zone of New York City and Washington, D.C. and out of the eastern time zone for half the year and create all kinds of confusion? We'll give... Uh, actually, he's from Ann Arbor. He's a Democrat, Jeff Irvin. I don't know why he's pursuing this, but it's... Uh, I know there's a part of the U.P. that... Is, is on Central Time. In, in Central Time, right. There's the parts West of Indiana Constant. that don't observe the shift at all. Um, Arizona's like that. Yeah, I personally find it somewhat antiquated. I think pick one and leave it. I don't really yeah. see the need to shift back and forth twice a year. Um, it's sort of a moot point because it's just one of those things that happens. But uh, 
aren't there better things to maybe talk about? Of course, another thing the Michigan state legislature is pursuing is uh, it's one of the states where these ridiculous uh, religious freedom laws are yeah. uh, in the works, where it's a bill to propose that you can't make me do something that's against my religion by your laws of state and man, because God told me it's okay to hate people. Yeah, well, Ted so Cruz is going to uh, channel right into that mentality. He uh, <clears throat> he is grumpy cat, <laughs> Ted yeah. Cruz. Well, d- d- we won't talk Ted about Ted Cruz it. in a second because <laughs> I'm sure we'll have ample opportunities to. I'm sure, co- comics everywhere are going. Oh, good, right on time. He's a cruising for a losing. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the first zinger. <laughs> he's 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 already uh, below five percent within the Republican uh, well potential voters. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> he's got a ways slimmer, to go. Right, he's got some but, canoeing uh, to do, but uh, uh, yeah, grumpy cat. He's always a kind of an angry bird who's just kind of constantly. Uh, Whining about everything. Yeah, well, uh, real quickly, I just, uh, one more last thing on this, uh, these religious freedom uh, bills oh, yeah, yeah. that are uh, popular in so many right-wing dominated legislatures across the land. Uh, it seems to me that uh, this little incident, that uh, tragedy is what it is, uh, that happened in Brooklyn involving the seven children dying in a hot plate-related fire. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Religious household that... Uh, Oh, Lord, you are wise to kill these children, uh, if not merciful, because this is a perfect example of why sometimes civil laws uh, have to supersede religious personal guidelines. There are basic rules of safety Mm -hmm. that uh, should be adhered to, and uh, whatever your religious affiliation is, uh, you can't let other people's safety and well-being take a second seat to your personal view of the world uh so it's rather ridiculous um that people can pursue this religious freedom law to say oh uh, i don't like gay people or black people so i don't want to serve them in my restaurant or hotel that even if these laws pass and succeed they're they're not going to have the intended result because in today's uh social networking world once people find out that oh that's a restaurant or a hotel that is rude to gay people or uh will not serve black families sure that's going to spread like wildfire and everybody will know don't go to those jerks uh even people who aren't gay or who aren't black just because they are against haters well so, it's interesting i don't know how this law attempts to preserve anything I was ironically coming back from New York City and was in a bar uh, during a, you know, a layover on the train, the Amtrak train. I had a four-hour layover. I was in downtown Pittsburgh. I walked into a bar that was obviously a, a gay bar. And what was fascinating was the um, liquor on the shelf. They had no Smirnoff. They had no Russian vodka. No Stoli. There you go. All gone. Uh, replaced by French vodka. So, yeah, the 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 idea that this is uh, th- th- this is a very dangerous idea that's spreading. And of course, over the, today, uh, just today, the uh, Supreme Court heard uh, a case about the uh, Confederate flag on on license plates in the state of Texas. Well, Ted Cruz might have to defend that at some point. I I, I suspect that he's really running for president for the free publicity and the boodle 
You know, he's basically. Oh, totally. Yeah. He's going to. He's money to generate under a, a, a name in an institution in a pack with your name on it. And he can run for. Re, he can probably, under these ridiculous election laws we have, keep a lot of the money he raises and use it for a Senate campaign when he runs for re election in a couple of years. Uh, I suspect he's going nowhere. But uh, yeah, this this whole religious freedom thing is becoming more and more troubling it's and just a slippery slope to all manner of bizarre oh i you can't make me inoculate my children well okay but your children are going to get sick and get other kids sick and so okay well or even quote pay for for uh, women's health uh concerns because of our position right, on abortion chief among or, the uh... quote unquote birth control this is ridiculous i mean uh, you a business can come up with all kinds of uh, religions. I'm a I'm a hardcore Wiccan. All of a sudden, I'm not going to cover prostate cancer for men. You know, we worship Cthulhu. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's no fringe uh, benefits unless you're entirely evil. It's always uh, a strange, slippery slope. But uh, yeah, stay tuned. The Supreme Court is uh, ruling on the Confederate flag on the license plate in the state of Texas. Uh, well, uh, and I'd, I'd only like to remind uh, listeners out there that we've had three presidents from the state of Texas, George W. Bush, George H.W. Bush, and Lyndon Johnson. And their claim to fame, they've had us in war every year of their presidencies, except for the last five months of 1964. Uh, this is a little-known fact that it continues to be misprinted and misreported in the media. But it is about the fact that the troops in Somalia were put in Somalia by H.W. Bush in 92 as a lame duck president. He did this over the Christmas holidays mm -hmm. when nobody was paying attention. So you will often see some, the Somalian intervention as characterized as starting in 93. It started in 92, and at the time, the only three people that uttered a peep about the abuse of executive power, which we're hearing a lot about lately uh, from John Boehner and Mitch McConnell and other assorted uh, members of the GOP, were Carl Levin of Michigan, Robert Byrd, a constitutionalist from the state of West Virginia, and Ted Kennedy. They knew what was going on, that this was uh, a slippery slope. So... Uh, Texas doesn't have a terribly good record. Uh, there's a lot of talk of uh, their secession from America. I say kick them out. <laughs> They're an incredible tax liability for the United States. And uh, who needs them? <laughs> Pardon. I'm from Texas. Well, Meanwhile, uh, Texas may become a colony of Israel eventually. <laughs> Meanwhile, Arkansas is uh, got a bill in legislation proposing the prohibition of giving away your children. <laughs> they actually have to have a law in, in Arkansas to say you can't give away your children. This guy gave away his adopted daughters to people who ran a school called Growing God's Kingdom. Uh -oh. where sadly, they were molested. And so uh, everyone's throwing their hands up saying, well... There's nothing you can't prevent a guy from giving away his kid. Well, okay, we actually have to have a law. You can't give away your kids. Yeah. Child labor wow. laws and laws that uh, regulate the treatment of children are uh, perfectly proper, necessary. This and is why we have government, because if people behave in 
bizarre and ridiculous fashion like this, uh, that's not decent human behavior to give away children. And dare I say it in honor of Ted Cruz, constitutional, because you'll hear that word from him a lot. Uh, fascinating um, results from the Israeli uh, parliamentary uh, Knesset elections from last week. Uh, my analysts that I heard a little bit last week on the Diane Rehm show were uh, urging listeners not to pay attention to the headlines. Um, because you've heard this characterized as a big win for Bibi Netanyahu. And indeed, the Likud party did improve uh, their standing uh, compared to the 2013 elections. But it's very interesting. The right-wing coalition only went up by one seat. So the big losers um, in the uh, election were the Orthodox Jews and the center parties. And you're not going to hear too much uh, discussed about that. The left-wing parties and the Arab parties, so to speak, were actually slight gainers in this election. So Israeli politics involving the Knesset are incredibly complicated. Uh, Netanyahu has uh, the president of Israel, a ceremonial position, allows uh, Netanyahu uh, to form a government. But he doesn't have a very strong government, and he's got a lot of problems. And you're already seeing him back away from many of the outrageous, inflammatory demagoguery statements that he made at the last second to sort of save himself. Uh, by the way, he was always the front runner. It's just that he went right. down in the polls, and the center party uh, went up. Um, Actually, I'm incorrect there. I should say the Labor Party went up, and uh, the Labor Party did gain nine seats, so to speak. Uh, they're no longer called the Labor Party. They are calling themselves the Zionist Union Party. So the names of these parties are, are, are very confusing. You can see from the Friday edition of the New York Times the very complicated um, aspects of how you form a government in Israel— and while I don't want to compare uh, Benjamin Netanyahu to the Nazis, it's very fascinating to compare the way Israeli politics works with the way the far right gained power in Germany in 1930. Because German political parties were very complicated, very confusing. There were lots of coalition governments that fell, and, and the Nazis steadily gained power in, in, in elections, in parliamentary elections. And when Hindenburg, who uh, should never be confused with Rush Limbaugh, uh, basically <laughs> gave away the chancellorship to, uh, to Hitler in January of uh, 1933, uh, there was a disaster in the formation. But it's interesting to follow the improvement of certain parties when you pay attention to the complex aspects of Israeli politics. Well, and the... Uh growth of the uh, Arab power in the Knesset is also a reflection of the demographic reality of the uh, population growth uh, in that country where it's happening. Um, the largest families are in Israel proper are uh, Orthodox families and uh, Arab Israelis. Yeah, and they are now a block. Uh, this was actually partially orchestrated by the Knesset. They created a new threshold 
of representation in terms of the voting for you to get seats in the uh, in the Knesset. And in 2013, there were actually so-called four Arab parties, uh, one called Hadash, one called the United Arab List, one called Balad, and one called Tal. They're now known as the Joint List, <laughs> which is a very strange name for a party. Um, hey, come on over to the Joint List. <laughs> Sounds like a bar. <laughs> <laughs> or a hash bash related uh hash bash related uh, club piece of paraphernalia <laughs> who's on the joint list um so yeah it, this is a very fascinating chart describing the complexities of these uh, parties and i think that benjamin netanyahu has done uh serious damage uh to the relationship between Israel and the united states to some extent it may even be a sort of a transitional moment where uh this is the sort of sharp, short shock that America needs to take a step back from the relationship and look more realistically at its role as a peacemaker in the region rather than as sort of the willing participant uh, every step of the way, as we've seen for decades. Uh, there's a couple of articles over in Saturday's uh, New York Times about the uh, continued sharp tone against Netanyahu from the Obama White House. Uh, they did call him to congratulate him, but a couple days after the fact, and it wasn't so much a congratulatory call as a, uh, you've made a misstep. You know, uh, relations are going to change. We're going to have to look with more uh, criticism on your statements, especially since you've publicly said you that you will not support a two-state solution, which previously, of course, he had said he would support. And, of course, Netanyahu made a blatant appeal uh very subtly to uh, racism and demagoguery. These tactics, yeah. of course, are, are short-term victories for him, but they, uh, I think, accurately reflect some of the serious problems uh, that, that uh, are, are there going forward. The United States' position, by the way, has always officially been that the, uh, that the occupied territories are occupied illegally. Uh, the problem is, is that the United States doesn't adhere to the U.N. resolutions on these uh, matters and has uh, heretofore uh, supported Israel in these uh, U.N. and because we have a permanent seat on the Security Council. Yeah, well, there's never been, for example, a refusal to generously give to them yearly what stipends they receive. But Netanyahu has caused enormous problems. Let's remember that the, the Hamas war uh, back in September, uh, August of last uh, last year, um, while there were several dozen Israelis killed, there were 2,000 Palestinians right. killed. And we saw, in uh, particularly in Western Europe, a reevaluation of their relationship with Israel. Well, increasingly amongst American Jews as well. There's, yeah. uh, you know, AIPAC, of course, is, is the famous uh, Israeli uh, lobby, but there's another lobby uh, that's more a progressive Jewish-American uh, outlook, and they've been critical of uh, Netanyahu all along. They're called J Street, and an Obama spokesman uh, has recently given a keynote address to the J Street group. Um, so there's plenty of uh, American Jews who are reconsidering what does it mean to have a relationship with Israel when you disagree so strongly with a guy like Netanyahu and his policies. And let's give out a brain damage award to Marco Rubio. Uh... He's uh, allegedly a candidate for president. We don't, we don't know yet, but uh, he, of course, gave a sort of uh, ad hominem speech uh, this past week attacking Obama and the Israeli 
uh, policy claiming that Obama needed to show more respect to Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, huh? It's kind of the other way around, dude. Um, and I don't think you... Well, you show respect when you go to somebody's house. I mean, you... You, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, I just, I don't know where this guy's uh, sense of reality is. Uh, if anything, it's been Netanyahu's been disrespectful. Uh, but rather than point fingers and play the blame game, which is so common... I just think it's an example of this sort of strange developing propinquity between the far right in America and the Likud Orthodox bloc of, uh, in the Knesset. And it's uh, troubling because if you're the president of the United States, you're supposed to put America's interests first, not Israel's. Or any country. And let's face it, on this Iran debate, which is uh, an example of, of, of blatant demagoguery and distortion, it is America that is pursuing the, the peace process. It's America that's working with these um, um, group of five other nations to get a deal made uh, to prevent a nuclear war being made by Iran. Uh, the opponents of the peace process, and I'm talking about the Iranian peace process here with respect to nuclear proliferation, are, as people have pointed out, allied with the hardliners in Iran. The, so this whole thing is so twisted around, and it has become a very strange thing where uh, Obama is being attacked pretty much relentlessly by far-right-wing media types and congressmen who are suggesting that uh, the United States is allied with Iran and is doing something of any serious policy, uh, shall we say, thrust forward or leading from behind or whatever you want to call it, um, against Israel, when there really isn't anything like that. Obama has just reasserting the long-held American position on the overall peace process in the Middle East with respect to the Palestinian uh, occupied territories issue. And uh, to suggest otherwise, is it's just a complete distortion. As for aid to Israel, that's not going to change. We're not uh, unrealistic here. The, the votes in Congress on the, on the Israeli foreign aid bill are, are usually about 430 to 3. Right. It's, you know, and Bobby Rahal, by the way, isn't in Congress anymore. Uh, Democrat from West Virginia of Arab descent. Um, so there, there's no serious re-examination of aid to Israel or any substantive... And that's not even been proposed or suggested yeah. in the slightest. Exactly. So to claim that Obama is disrespecting Benjamin Netanyahu. is It's ludicrous. They simply it's not like he's the Dalai Lama or the Pope or something. They simply have a difference of opinion on on the policies going forward. Yeah, he's... no question about it. So uh, I don't know. Uh, let uh, Ted Cruz give us some more lectures from the Torah Bora. Well. Yeah. I'll gladly take a snooze listening to Ted Cruz. <laughs> you got nothing to lose. You're going to guarantee to have a snooze. But 
I guess we've got about uh, five, six minutes left here. And, of course, uh, would like to take advantage of this opportunity to remind oh, – you got a, some short items there? Just one to, little short some, item, then yeah. we'll get to the film festival. Of course, it's been very cold. We've had some relief here in the uh, eastern time zone uh, here in Michigan and in uh, states in the New England area and the mid-Atlantic. Winter seems like it's been brutal. But guess what? There's less sea ice coverage in the Arctic this winter than at any year since satellite measurements began four decades ago. Uh, researchers said Thursday, this is dated uh, uh, the 20th of March, the National Snow and Ice Data Center, a government-sponsored research group, said that in late February, ice cover in the Atlantic Ocean uh, reached its maximum extent 5.61 million square miles, which is about 7% less than the average from 1981 to 2010, and about 1% less than the previous low year. So um, John Boehner and Mitch McConnell, who is continuing to claim that there is a war on coal here in the United States, <laughs> uh, need to... Uh, they they admit they're not scientists, but it might be nice if they'd start listening to the scientists. Do they admit that they are, you know, alive in the 21st century? The war on coal. This is the 18th century, and we like it that way. I think they need to look at the uh, business practices of the utility companies who are making these moves. It's got nothing to do with Barack Obama, much as they like to blame him for everything. Well, and if you've ever traveled up into the actual hills and hollers of the Appalachian states and see what strip mining looks like up close and firsthand and what it does to rural communities, mm -hmm. uh, then you can talk about uh, what what coal means uh, to the poorest of Americans. I've seen some of that stuff up close and personal. Yeah, fabulous photograph over the weekend, by the way, of the palm oil um, land areas of Indonesia that are being, you know... Uh, systematically uh, ripped apart of complete yeah. vegetation. The coal is, is sort of similar. Yeah, it's a cataclysmic nightmare for children to grow up in. And uh, yet it was considered completely normal and just business as usual. So, yeah, Mitch McConnell with his war on coal. Um, he needs to get some new suspenders and pull them pants up a little bit. But uh, one place you can be sure you won't run into Mitch McConnell is at the Ann Arbor Film Festival, which is getting underway uh, tomorrow. It's going to run from March 24th through Sunday, March 29th. Six days of pretty amazing stuff to see. Um, I strongly recommend the uh, opening night screening, of course, is a, usually a strong program of shows. Wednesday night, however, there's a live performance by a British... Uh, electronic music group Demdike Stare uh, from Manchester, England, and they're going to perform a, a score that they've composed for the 1922 silent film classic Hoxon. They performed this already at the British Film Institute. Uh, this is a unique opportunity to see uh, an incredibly bizarre film that's almost 100 years old and uh, be mesmerized by what these uh, electronic musicians do with the huge cavernous space that the main room of the Michigan Theater sure. uh, will give them to play with. Uh, that's a show not to be missed. Uh, and also, you recommended, we were talking about coal. Isn't there a kind of an interesting documentary about Chinese 
Yeah, the Chinese production. A Chinese rail. Oh, it's rail. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which, of course, is going to have some connection to coal. Yeah. And I think they still have a combination of uh, electric and coal uh, in their train network. But that's Saturday. That's a very interesting documentary called Iron Ministry. And if you remember the film called People's Park, that played a year or two ago at the festival, uh, same director. Um, these are beautifully shot films, very long takes, uh, lots to hear and see in these films. And. Uh, so those are just a couple of highlights. Uh, the animation show on Friday night is always a good one to see, especially if you're perhaps new to the Ann Arbor Film Festival. But uh, filmmakers from all over the world come to show their works here. Uh, it's You just can't go wrong. Yeah, lots of amazing events this week. I also no noticed that uh, the, the 50th anniversary of the teaching on Vietnam, they're having a little uh, program at the University of Michigan featuring Tom Hayden of the SDS, formerly of the SDS and graduate of U of M, famous uh, activist, anti-war activist here at the University of Michigan, and Amy Goodman are going to be there. This is basically a, a, a sort of a, an homage to uh, the teach-in, the teach-ins that uh, started here at the University of Michigan 50 years ago against the Vietnam War. Uh, let's remember that the actual... <coughs> escalation of Vietnam and the bombing and whatnot began really in 1965. The Gulf of Tonkin uh, incident occurred in 64. The troop buildups uh, began occurring and there were sort of sabotage uh, raids going on. But uh, America's involvement in Vietnam, of course, preceded Lyndon Johnson, unfortunately, by many, many years. Mm -hmm. And as a classic example of... Uh, the American imperialistic ideals, American exceptionalism. I think Ted Cruz used that word today. Um, well, it was just a, taking over, yeah. you know, re putting the French back into French Indochina and making a mockery of uh, some of the ideals that were fought for in World War II. Absolutely. In fact, it, it could be very easily argued that. The blunder that was uh, America's involvement in uh, Vietnam uh, was the turning point uh, upon which all the goodwill generated by the uh, heroic effort of America and its people and its industrial power in fighting fascism and Japanese imperialism in World War II utterly squandered uh, by this complete misread of the way history played out. Roosevelt had to tell Churchill, you're, you you got to let those colonies go. Right. And yet here we were sort of puffing air into uh, a dead animal like the uh, scientists and Jonathan Swift who uh, kill the dog by inserting the bellows into its rear end and then try to resuscitate it from the other end. You, you can't get French colonialism going again. That's right. Uh, it's, uh, well, and why would you want to since right. most of the French were working for Vichy? <laughs> during World War uh, II, just, for uh, gosh sakes. Never understood why uh, that was seen as a good move uh, for America. Well, Truman had some good instincts, but uh, getting America back into Indochina was, was not a good one, but that was part of the uh, purge on the uh, Far Eastern State Department desk uh, that was part of anti-communism. Who lost China. Who lost China, yeah. and all of the riffraff and all of the disinformation and misinformation that followed by the way, one of the best short books on the Vietnam War is George Herring's The America's Longest War, 1950 to 1975. 
uh, the 50th anniversary of the fall of Saigon will be coming up here shortly. I uh, just wanted to remind you that you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly. Uh, this past week, I actually did see a very interesting talk at the Ford Library up in North Campus about the morality of Watergate. Fascinating.